In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ. I'm preaching a series of sermons on the Divine Liturgy, and this is the fourth sermon in the series. I wish I were preaching on the Gospels, because I'd love to talk about this Gospel today. What a beautiful story. The fishermen fished all night, caught nothing. And then at the Lord's command, they throw in their nets and they catch the, probably the biggest catch they ever had. Simon and James and John, partners in the fishing business, they finally hit the mother load. <laughs> what do they do? They walk away from it. They walk away from it to follow Jesus Christ. But I'm speaking upon the theme of the Divine Liturgy for the entire year. And this year I've chosen to begin by really looking closely at who God is and who we are because of Him. It doesn't make any sense to worship if you don't really understand who it is you're worshiping and who we are because of Him. So we've been looking at the beginning of creation and we're... We're coming up upon the, the third day of creation. I hope you've been listening to these homilies. I hope you, that you are getting them because every, every one builds on the, ne- the one before, especially when you're talking about the days of creation. Now, speaking of days, you know, there's a lot of controversy in, in the current, our current world, even within orthodoxy, there's a lot of controversy about what God meant about days and the days of creation. When I've been Orthodox 26 years now, I believe. And when our family became Orthodox, I asked a few people about this, and they said, well, the church really doesn't say much about creation the details of creation. God, God created the heavens and the earth. That's all you need to believe. And then the rest of it's not important. And so then, you know, this issue of days, what is, is a day just a day, a 24-hour period? Is it a thousand years? Is it an era? You know, we lo- I love the phrase, well, have you ever heard people say, back in the day? I love that phrase. Back in the day. I, that's a good old-timer phrase. Back in the day. Well, obviously, that's not a 24-hour day. That means a time period, an age, an era, a, a, an environment, a, a period of time. But when you look at the Bible, the day, the word day occurs a lot of times. But there are usually three things that determine whether a day, the word day means a 24-hour period. If you find a day associated with a number, it usually means that it's a 24-hour period. You know, I, I think about this thing about days. People say, well, God didn't really mean six days. Well, why not? Well, he just didn't. Well, the reason they say that is because since Darwin... And the theory of evolution and the explanation that all these layers of rocks and fossil records required thousands of years or millions, billions of years, Christians have been in the dilemma ever since then of 
They're told this is science, and somehow they have to make it compatible with the Bible. So they have to squeeze in billions of years into six days. And that creates a problem. But when you look at the rest of the Bible, like Jonah and the whale spent three days in the whale. Did he spend thousands of years in the belly of the whale? Hundreds of years? No, he spent three days. What about Joshua marching around the walls of Jericho for seven days? Imagine marching for years, thousands of years, around the walls of Jericho. He's just going to get down the back after a while. But, but when it comes to Genesis, oh, he wasn't talking about days. Well, look, there are three rules for determining whether the day is a 24-hour period. First of all, it's associated with a number. Three days, six days, 40 days. Secondly, if you see the words evening and morning, that means, usually means a day also. And secondly, if you see the words day and night, that typically means a 24-hour period. So when you look at the Genesis account, the, the six days of creation, all three of those rules are met. And a day, this is the first day, the second day, the third day, so on. Day and night is mentioned, and evening and morning is mentioned. Furthermore, the church has said a lot about this. You know, we just haven't read the books. <laughs> in fact, more is written about Genesis than just about anything in the whole Bible by the early church fathers. Some of them wrote books bigger than the Bible about just the book of Genesis. Called the Hex, Hexameron, the six days. St. Basil the Great goes into great depth. Some of the Holy Fathers became so holy through prayer, fasting, asceticism, and just a, a thirst for God that they actually got to see what Moses saw. You know, when God, when God was with Moses on the 40 days on the Mount Sinai, he didn't just sit there and talk, blah, 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 for 40 days. I mean, he, they talked. But he showed him. He showed him the creation. He, he revealed so much to Moses. And he revealed the law to him. Divine revelation. And it was not boring for Moses. Being with God is not boring. You know, if we're bored in church, and even the priests can get bored in church <laughs> sometimes. But if we're bored in church, it's because we're not really engaging God. God is not boring. So don't ever worry about heaven being boring. Like, oh, what are we going to do in heaven? No, don't worry. It's going to be great. But anyway, getting back to days, it's very clear that the creation account is actual 24-hour days. So let's talk about the third day. On the third day of creation, God separated the water from the dry land and caused the land to bring forth all forms of vegetation. And the fathers of the church say that this was not a gradual thing. 
This was not like he planted a bunch of seeds and then he waited a long time for them to grow. No, this was an explosion. This was a creative explosion and generation of life from the dry land. Mature plants and trees and foliage and all kinds of things grew up. And each had within itself the seed of its own kind. Each living plant had within itself the seed of its own kind, which is totally contradictory to evolution that teaches that very simple things develop into more complex things. And they all start from one thing. It's futile to try to combine evolution with creation. So if you're a Christian, and a lot of Christians try to do this, in fact, most Christians try to do this. In fact, as an Orthodox priest, I cannot preach this way to my peers. Because most of them do not believe this. They're not dogmatic about it. They wouldn't condemn me, but they would just say, you know, look, that's just not important. But most Christians today try to find a way to fit this together, and it does not fit. You might as well just give it up and admit that it is not going to work. So anyway, this explosion of vegetation occurred. And what, for what purpose? To... to be there for when God starts to create all the living things, the birds and the fish and the animals and finally mankind. All this is in preparation. So again, we see the the beauty, the logic, and the rationality of God in the way that he is putting creation together, beginning with water, which is the foundation of life, then separating the land from the water, then producing vegetation growing on the land, which would become a beautiful garden and a habitation for all the animals and ultimately for mankind. So let's go on to the fourth day. Now that he's created all this vegetation, what does vegetation ultimately need to keep going? Light. So God, now God has already created light on the first day. But on this day, he creates specific sources of light, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And he sets them in the heavens, and he sets them on a perfectly ordered course, dependable, predictable course, that for the most part continues today, although there is evidence of it beginning to break down. Sometimes comets crash, and sometimes stars blow up. We see that... It's not eternal, and yet it is so ordered that even for over 6,000 years, all these planets and stars continue to stay in their course. This is a, it's a beautiful testimony to the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God, the psalms say. But anyway, he sets the sun in, in the sky to begin the process of photosynthesis. You have water, you have plants, now you have the sun. And photosynthesis immediately begins on the fourth day of creation. Now on the fifth day, God caused the sky to be filled with birds of all types. Imagine peacocks and 
and parrots and macaws and and all kinds of and the small simple little birds and woodpeckers and everything all according to their own kind not forming from one little bird that formed into this type of bird and then that bird and other kind no all kinds of birds on that on that fifth day god created all kinds of birds and filled the sky with them and then the ocean he filled the ocean with all kinds of fish and dolphins and and whales and, and even monsters leviathan crazy looking creatures the bible refers to not mythologically but historically Crazy, undescribable animals that hardly ever show up, but they're there. Wow, what a great God we serve. And on the sixth day, God created all the land animals. And he created them male and female. And each of them had within themselves the genetic material to reproduce themselves according to their kind, not forming from a little amoeba in a pond of slime and then forming into a little tadpole and then a frog and then an amphibian and then a fish and then a, a bird grew, grew some feathers and then grew some legs. No, God created all these animals and creatures. In his creativity, he just made them. And, you know, he waited. He didn't give them any names. We'll find out later why. But he created them. So fantastic. Elephants, kangaroos, even dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, yeah. They weren't the mean, ugly, flesh-eating things that we think of, but there were dinosaurs. Everything set up so beautifully in such great order and sequence. Each part building upon the next part. Again, this is totally incompatible with the fairy tale of evolution. All species were created in a single moment of divine inspiration, and each species was created mature and carrying within itself the means to reproduce according to its kind. Glory be to God. So after all of this was done in a rational, logical, intelligent order to prepare the world for one last crowning moment of creation, God the Father spoke to the Son and the Holy Spirit and said, let us make man in our image. So next week, we will conclude our discussion of the creation narrative with a detailed look at the crowning event of this narrative, the creation of Adam and Eve. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ.